listening to the Hooked on Learning Podcast, where we discuss all things related to continuous improvement. And now to your host, Jesse Marka. All right, welcome back to another edition of Hooked on Learning. As in past episodes, we've had a few surprises along the way and special guests, but today is certainly different from those days as we have for sure the most unique and, and special guest that we've had on our podcast so far, and that is Mr. Tommy Walker, all the way from Argentina. Tommy, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you very much, Jesse. I'm very honored to be here and share some information that uh, we are working back home. Excellent, and we are very, very honored uh, and humbled to have you as our guest and if, if you don't mind, could you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the work you do back home? Yes, I just to let everyone know, I started my EMT program here in the States in Colorado. I did my EMT. I got certified by National Registry. I kept it for, for around three or four years or five, I think it was. And then I wasn't able to come back, but I did some more training and I've been doing uh, training. I started an organization back home where we teach the EMT program. Since 2011, we're teaching the EMT program there. And now I, I love uh, the psychology part in, in human beings and especially dedicated towards EMS. So I've been studying a lady here from the States. That's Margaret Paul, as it sounds, Margaret Paul. And uh, she is presenting a different psychology to help people. And I kind of put together that psychology with EMS, and I found another way to focus towards PTSD. Well, the, uh, the work you do certainly is inspiring to us, and uh, your work on PTSD in particular, we had the opportunity to sit through one of your classes yesterday and then also one of your classes today on that. And before we get going on, on your work on PTSD, could you just explain a little bit about what motivates you um, because motivation is a huge piece of being a successful leader uh, and manager and supervisor, and we'd love to know what drives you and mo- what motivates you in your work. What really motivates me is I feel in my soul that I'm here to serve, and I want to serve so that people can serve better. So what I try to do is find ways. What I'm doing back home is trying to improve the MS system we have there. I talked to a bunch of you guys, but maybe some that are listening don't know. We have a very awful EMS system back home, although we say it's a really good one. I've shown videos and pictures of people taking care back home, and it's really bad. So what I'm trying to do is take the American system over there so people really get what they deserve. I want to have my kids and my grandkids or my parents taken care as they should, as I see you guys do it over here. So it's always trying to make a better world for everyone, step by step stone by stone and I think we can make a difference just uh, doing something small each day at the end of of our life maybe those small things can make a better world that's my idea. So that's uh, extremely noble of you and and certainly um, on our end provides us with insight that we sometimes take for granted here uh, in all the work that it took to get our system up to speed over the years and uh, you know a lot of what you do is focused on putting information in the hands of providers so they can treat the public. But as you mentioned with, with your work and the revelations you've made on PTSD, 
you now have information that you can put in the hand of or in the hands of the responders to help themselves and to help their coworkers. Could you just tell us a little bit more about um, about your approach to PTSD and why it may be different? Well, as I was telling a little bit, uh, Jesse, with this lady, Margaret Paul, we found that instead of working today and forward, uh, our psychology needs to start being worked in our past. And it's kind of weird uh, because many people say, don't look back. We're here now. We got to look forward. And it's true. But we are who we are because of the different uh, um, situations we went through our life. So... This lady has found that you can change your past psychologically so that you can change your present and your future. What I've seen a lot, I've been doing this therapy for eight years now. I've changed a lot since I started this, that I feel more comfortable with myself. I feel more comfortable, more recognized by myself than looking outside. I also look outside. I also look for recognition outside. Of course, I'm a human being. And I have my things that I have to fix yet, but this sharing of this lady information made me see that we're focusing on PTSD and treating the patients that already have PTSD or are developing signs, signs and symptoms. And medicine, firefighters, and everywhere, things are changing where we're working more towards the preventing of, of that. So we found that by putting together what, what this lady does and what we know about PTSD and stuff, we can start working on preventing PTSD more than working when it's there. It, of course, we have to work when it's there because people are having it. Right. But if we start preventing it from people getting into EMS from the start, people getting into medicine, nurses, policemen, firefighters during their training and everything, we can start reducing the risk factors and preventing so much people getting towards PTSD. Yeah, I love the idea that your your focus is on prevention. And, you know, so part of that would be uh, what can we start doing today as we go forward? But what you're saying is the first thing we need to do is really go backwards, back to our childhood and back to our youth to really understand a couple of things about ourselves and um, our experiences to better understand who we are today and how we should move forward. Can you maybe talk about some of the things we should go back in time and look for? Exactly. One of the things that we were talking about, they're pretty tough to kind of accept because it's not nice what I'm going to talk about, but it's the truth, unfortunately. Our parents did the best they could, but in their trying to be parents, of course, and I'm a parent now and I'm living some a lot of those same situations too, when we scream at our kid because we're tired, we're stressed out, and he does something that we think it's stupid or whatever, we scream at him or he's not behaving how we expected he should be behaving. At that time when we're screaming at him, he feels he's not loved, he feels he's not special. And although it might seem if you can say, ah, oh, it's something stupid, it will worn away, I can tell you it won't worn away because I've been doing this therapy for eight years, what this lady Margaret Paul offers, and I've been going back like in um, doing, it's, it's kind of a rem- remembering a little bit and kind of going back and re- uh, reliving that same moment again and bringing out your feelings at that moment. Not what you feel right now with your age and your experience, but what did that kid felt back then? And you're going to see a bunch of things. I remember my dad's putting me under the hot water, uh, warm water, uh, sorry, 
cold water to calm me down. And one a couple of years ago, my dad was like, "Yeah, when a kid's it's not behaving, you should put him under cold water. That make that makes a great difference. They're gonna calm down." And he said, "And you know what? They won't remember." And I went back and I did remember all those times I would put under the cold water, and they made me feel I I wasn't lovable, I wasn't special, and that created kind of psychological. Impact on myself, and when you don't get the recognition from your parents from those different things that they did, they did their best, but and we're doing our best, but we keep screwing up. I think we can say um, that recognition we didn't get from our parents. We're going to start looking outside. So a lot of us, apart from helping others and serving the public, that that's the great thing. We're here. Some part of us, those small th- kids that were hurt in many many years ago they're looking for recognition they didn't get it from mom and dad so they're looking outside so we want to go out in a call and give our best and save that person and save a life and instead we go out and take care of a lady that fell and we just have to put a band-aid and take them to a hospital and it's not the wow moment we were expecting that were sold to us during our ems career and that frustrates us and that leads us towards PTSD at the end because it's not what we wanted. We feel frustrated. We don't feel we're getting the recognition we want. So there's a bunch of things we can talk about. That's a, a little example. Another thing is saving lives. We are sold by society. We're sold by the movies. We're sold by everyone that firefighters, EMS people are heroes or even superheroes. That they give their lives for the rest. First of all, that has changed, actually. We don't give our life for another person because that person, if we save their life, they're not going to go out and save lives. So it's our life that if we jeopardize, we're not going to be helping others in the future. So there's another place that we are taught to save lives, but it's wrong because we don't save everyone. A lot of people die in this uh, in this area of work, and we have to learn to deal with that. And the way is bring it from a back to of our mind, bring it to the front, to our consciousness, and be more conscious that we're here to help others, we're here to serve, and some people are going to die, and we cannot change that. If we think we can change that, we are acting like God, and we're not God. Right. We are human beings trying to help others. Yeah, and that is that is a, a one of the many thoughts that you offered yesterday that really hit home in terms of uh, that concept mentally of, of trying to understand why we're truly here, because sometimes when things don't go our way, and when we're not able to save everybody, uh, it leads to um, everybody handling things a little bit differently. And as you mentioned, by kind of going back in time and understanding your past experiences, that that discovery could really lead to some breakthroughs going forward. I know you used an example where you uh, were playing football both as a child and then now, and it's not that you're necessarily any faster or more fleet of foot. It's it's that you had more of a mental breakthrough that allowed you to perform. A little bit better, exactly. Yes. When we were kids, many times we can tell our kids, no, you're doing it wrong, you're not going to do it or whatever because we're tired, we're pissed, whatever. And that sets a roof, kind of, is it okay to say a yeah, roof? A or ceiling. A, a ceiling to our kid and he thinks he's won't, he won't be better than that and all of us can be much better than what we are. In many training courses, at least in Latin America, I see uh, instructors treating really bad the students because they say that's the way to get the best out of them. And it's not the best way. It's psychologically, it has been proven 
that you got to put pressure on them, but you got to teach them how to get out of that hole. They're not going to get out of that hole alone. They need your help. So if, if you put a ceiling on top of somebody or on top of yourself also, because you're reinforcing what your dad or mom or whoever in the family taught you, that was an example for me. When I was a kid, my dad told me, and he wasn't a bad dad. He was just was sharing his insight of what he thought it was okay. He wasn't a good football player. He told me, you know what? I was never a good football player for sure. I don't think I'm going to do so well in sports and football. And when I used to play soccer, I mean soccer instead of football, I'm sorry. Uh, soccer, I used to be really bad. I would kick at the goalie and just miss the whole goal and everything without, not even sometimes without a goalie. Today, I can maybe put one or two goals inside because my head changed. And that only changed my friends from school that I sometimes play nowadays tell me, you know what? I'm not a, the great soccer player, but they tell me, I cannot believe how your soccer has changed since the past years. And that's because I started working on my past. And that uh, it makes sense. And it's always reassuring to see examples where it's, it's working and uh, it's really helping you with, with those times where there are stress. And one of the things that we're working on here is preparing people to perform under stress. And, uh, you know, the body's natural reaction, depending on the situation, might be to fight or flight or one that we don't talk about a lot, and that's freeze. And depending on the situation, one of those three may be the correct approach but it also may be the wrong approach. So we're trying to work a lot with the mental conditioning of people as it relates to the processing of emotions and then building the right pathways to act that out appropriately. But what we do know um, in, internally through different readings is that uh, people need to be aware of the things that cause them stress and the things that really elevate their um, their heart rate and their fear for lack of better terms, because if they don't regulate that day in and day out, then that will lead to um, something such as PTSD. Exactly. But the piece that we're missing is finding out who you are today versus what you're doing, which is finding out who you were before. And uh, that's a, a really unique approach that we, uh, until you shared your information with us, we're really missing. So I feel like that could really be helpful for us going forward when we figure out that we need to understand who we were before. And uh, part of what you talked about was getting the recognition as a child and positive reinforcement in those experiences. But how do we recognize somebody now um, as a, as a coworker or a, a uh, company officer, command officer, how do we provide that recognition to people today first of all the the first thing we have to understand about that and i've been working with people for the past 15 years in variation and everything and i had people that i would recognize them nearly every day or every week or every month whatever and these people felt they weren't recognized they would get angry at me and they would even tell me you're not recognizing me as i should and it wasn't money it wasn't nothing to do with that it was just that i realized that those people didn't have the recognition in the past so today there's a lot going on in different areas where people get prizes, get recognitions and titles and stuff like that. But it makes you feel okay when you get it. But then down the road, two weeks, two months, two years, it's not enough. You feel again, you're empty again. Why is that? That happens constantly one after the other. You keep looking for prizes. Maybe you get them, maybe you don't. But if you get them, 
two weeks later, you feel the same again. It's not that you feel different. And that has to do with, again, your past. In your past, if you weren't recognized as you should, the positive reinforcement, today you won't get the recognition, you won't validate the recognition you get from the outside. So you might have a um, superior, an officer or something that's recognizing you and you still feel you're not recognized. But he feels he's always recognizing you. So it's not about how they recognize us in the outside, but how we recognize ourselves in the inside. And it's also a thing that we have that we can do from one day to another. I've been working just to share with you, Jesse, with, as I told you, for the past eight years. And I th and I know, I think, no, I know I have a long way to go still, but it is something that at least we can do our first step to, to run our 10K um, marathon. We need to move our first leg to the front and then the other one. Very true. So this is kind of the startup point. And it's not just to, okay, ready, I heard this podcast, I'm okay, now I understand, and whatever. It's something that it's constantly doing it. This is a starting point, and it might take years, but at least if we start with our trainer, trainees, we, we have with, with the rookies or the, the, the people that are starting with, with a career, if we start with them or doing even the courses, people might get faster to where they have to go instead of just knocking against the wall like one and again and again feeling they're not recognized feeling they're not doing their job as they thought they were going to do the expectations come down and and it's not good and one of the things you talked about yesterday was the idea of pointing the finger at somebody else and when you're pointing the finger at somebody else you had a really good way of describing that and if you could just kind of walk us through that example. Yeah, another thing that I discovered in these type of uh, psychological things and studying it is that when you're mad at somebody and you're pointing your finger at somebody and say, okay, that person is really stubborn, I cannot work with them, what you're actually doing is seeing yourself in that person. Whatever bothers us a lot and makes us mad and bother, yeah, bothers us, if you're seeing that in somebody else, it actually whether you like it or not you're talking about yourself and it happened to me a bunch of times i used to be really stubborn in the field i would find people doing the wrong thing i would just try to jump in and maybe i was walking without uniform or anything in the street see somebody doing the wrong thing in an ambulance i would try to jump in and correct the things and they would kick me off with the police and i realized i was doing something wrong many years later when a lady came up to me and told me you know what when you're pointing out you're talking about yourself so then i realized okay so i am stubborn and they are stubborn, we cannot work together. And I realized I couldn't change them, but I could change myself and try to reduce the stubbornness and try to just be humble and be okay. You know what? I'm here to help, whatever you need. And in that presentation and in that humble way, I, some cases, it, never, it didn't work all the time, but many cases I was able to provide a, a better care than, the person, than, than what the person was receiving. So whatever you see good in other people, you have it, and wherever you see another people you don't like, and it bothers you, normally it has to do with something that you have to work on. So that's a good idea, too, that we start being um, responsible for what we feel instead of telling your kids, uh, I don't know, um, you made me mad. No, no. What you did made me feel mad, but it's not that it's your fault I'm mad. I choose to get mad at you. Right. It's not that you can change my feelings because we go through the through life blaming everybody for everything. This call didn't go as well because of this, this, and this. Instead of looking at myself, I look elsewhere. And we've got to start understanding that our feelings are ours 
we create our own feelings. Never, and it doesn't have to do with the person in front of us. Somebody can hit me and I can smile. I choose to do that. Or I can hit back and be angry. I choose to do that. I cannot blame somebody else. It's not okay somebody hits me. I won't let him. <laughs> but I mean, the feelings that I get are my own. I am the owner of those feelings too. Yeah, and I, I really liked yesterday when you said every time you point the finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Exactly. And the humility piece is so important, not just for being a good leader, but for being a good person. And um, one of my thoughts is if, if you're a good person, then naturally uh, you have everything you need to be a good leader. And part of that is humility because people enjoy being around people who are humble and people who are understanding of themselves and of each other. And that really helps people to get along and, and keep things positive, even when the situation uh, doesn't seem so positive. And uh, in closing, we like to have fun with different things. So I don't know if you had um, maybe anything else to add. On, on this topic, and then at the end, if you could just tell us what you do for fun uh, when you're not busy reinventing the EMS model in Argentina. I would like to add, sorry, I was interrupting. You guys didn't see that. I was making a sign towards Jesse. That's why he stopped a second. Uh, I was telling him that I wanted to add something uh, that also I was presenting during this uh, presentation for the guys here about cold-hearted, that we want to eliminate the cold-hearted thing that we are always teaching in the courses and people are saying, no, to be in this type of work, you got to be cold-hearted. We cannot be cold-hearted. We're human beings. We're warm. Warmth is within us. So there's no way. It's no, not compatible to be cold-hearted. What we have to start being is being more warmth and, on the other hand, be templance. The word in English, templance, was it? Temp I don't remember the word exactly in English, I'm sorry, but t t having temperance, like being calm and being warm, trying to connect with the patient and not expecting the outcome that they won't die because you don't know. And if they are safe, perfect, and you're connected to them and you're not going to suffer because you're doing it from a different way. When we suffer, it means our ego is hooked up to something he was expecting that was going to come out. If we're not expecting anything, we're just leaving to the faith, to the universe, to the energy, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever you want, when you're not taught up to a result, you're going to enjoy the ride. When we want a result, the person to live, and he doesn't live, that's when our ego is talking through us, and he's taking us towards PTSD. So there are a bunch of things there that we have to work more, just to give you an idea. That's uh, certainly very well said, and uh, you're so gracious to share these message with, messages with us. And uh, it is all about being warm and warm-hearted because we are here to serve um, each other and the public. And if we go through life being cold-hearted, then we're going to miss those things. Um, in closing, what do you do for fun? For fun, I come to the stage to do ride-alongs, <laughs> although I, I do that back home. I never teach you on that. I don't do too, too many ride-alongs over there, so I love to do that. I like to go to the mountains. Uh, I love skiing right now is a ski season oh, back yeah. home so I go back home and I'm gonna ski with my kids and that I love it awesome. so it's gonna be nice but actually this is my life I have uh, tattooed the <laughs> the star oh, yeah. in my arm and because this is actually my life I feel it I was born for this and I try to make it a, a better world wherever I go a little bit better just a little bit whatever I can well, it certainly shows in everything that you do, and we're very fortunate uh, to know you and to have you at our department because your work here 
leaves an impression on us and uh, that stays with us um, even as you return home. And if there's anything we can ever do in the future to repay that, we would certainly um, relish that opportunity. So thank you so much for your time and your energy and all the lessons that you've provided us while you're here. Thank you very much for you, for having me over, and I hope this works for some of you guys and you can figure it out so as to prevent a little bit more PTSD. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hooked on Learning Podcast. Until next time, be smart.